0: Hello everyone. Welcome back to Evil Pudding, a true crime podcast. My name is Courtney. And I'm Patrick. Welcome back.
1: I know, it's been forever.
0: Yeah, uh, a week.
1: It's like y'all forgot about us cuz I've been in the lab with a pen and a pad trying to get this damn podcast off.
0: What? Is that a rap?
1: Yeah, I just quoted Dr. Gray.
0: <gasps> oh my god. I just quoted Wait, what? Dr. Gray. <laughs> you you really did. <laughs> <laughs> I've been kind of waiting for that. <laughs> It kind of, it worked. It
1: did. It really worked. Except you were the one with the pen and the pad.
0: I was like, wait, what?
1: I wasn't with the pen and the pad, but you know what I mean.
0: Yeah. Well, cool. Good job.
1: And I'm done. (laughs) Have a good night.
0: (laughs) Guys, thank you for uh, 20,000 downloads.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Wow.
0: That's absolutely insane. Um, I don't even know what to say. I I never thought we'd be here. That's for sure. We never
1: thought we'd get 20.
0: That's insane. No.
1: If you listen to our first episode, we laughed that we would have two people listening. It would be both of our mothers.
0: And both of our mothers don't listen. (laughs) And neither one of them (laughs) (laughs) listens. Which I can't blame them. None of our
1: family listens to it.
0: Uh, It was Valentine's Day this week. It was. And happy belated Valentine's to everybody out there. Yeah. Hope you felt loved on that day in some way, shape, or form. Absolutely. I'm not really big on Valentine's. It's just another Hallmark holiday. You hate it. Yeah, it's <laughs> stupid. It's just a way for That's companies just an to make money. for us to grow up with the kids, though. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'll
1: take that. Any Since chance. we've got
0: kids, it's like Valentine's is very important. Guys, You need to go out. <laughs> we
1: just we just need to get away from y'all and go do something.
0: So we have a special Valentine's Day episode. Oh. but do we? Before we get into that, I'm gonna do. Shout out. We haven't done a shout out in a while. It's
1: been a while since we've shouted. It's
0: been years. a while and a little something different today. Um, I wanted to take a minute to share with you a creator that I have actually been following for a while. Uh, they're called a- Ashes to Ash TV. And that's a true crime channel on YouTube and on her website. And in my opinion, Ash is just an amazing investigative Journalist. Yeah, you told me a lot about her. If you think that we do deep dives, (laughs) I mean, she immerses herself. I mean, she's absolutely amazing. Just wait until you check her out. Her and her team really do go above and beyond. And she does a true crime series, and she has several seasons available on YouTube. Or on her website, which is ashes2ashtv.com. Don't worry, we will link her channel in the show notes below. Most recently, I've been watching season one, which is The Disappearance of Robert B., a.k.a. Bonsai. And trust me, you'll be hooked. She has uh, three seasons out total, uh, plus a couple of films. Okay. So amazing content. I can't wait for her to do more, so definitely check her out. And with that, are you ready to get into
1: it? Absolutely. Let's go.
0: Well, in honor of Valentine's Day this week, I thought we could look into a killer couple. So I looked through my list of serial killing couples, and none of them really felt right to cover for a V-Day episode until I stumbled upon this absolutely epic tale of twisted romance between two people that I had never heard of before.
1: Oh, okay. So, so we're not regurgitating other people.
0: No, we are definitely All not.
1: All right. <laughs> so, original content here, folks.
0: <laughs> original content. So before we meet our offenders, let's talk a little bit about finding love this day and age. It's well, not easy, is we it? we talk about that shit on here? Yeah. Oh. So this Valentine's Day, if you were single, you may have found yourself signing up for Match.com, Hinge plenty of fish, or some app like them in an effort to meet your future soulmate. This day and age, with the hustle and bustle of life, there is just no time for us to get out there and meet people, so we rely heavily on Al Gore's World Wide Web to connect us. But have you ever thought about how people connected back in the olden days before the internet, especially if you didn't have anyone in your hometown that was single? Well, it turns out that there was this thing called lonely heart ads. What are lonely heart ads? You're probably asking yourself, Patrick.
1: Kind of. (laughs) Is it like most wanted ads, like personal?
0: Kind of. Uh, Well, lonely heart ads began as early as the 1600s, believe it or not. Okay. And basically people would place an ad in their local papers seeking marriage and companionship. And as time went on and magazines and larger scale publications became a thing, men and women seeking companionship could, you know, write and, you know, place an ad and meet their potential soulmate out there, not just in their hometown, but in a whole different part of the country. It was pretty nifty back then, right? Yeah, you could meet people from ads. all around. It was. It was a yeah, classified they still
1: have it, I think, in actual newspapers. They still have it, I think.
0: Yeah, like – Craigslist, they still do like a lonely heart. Section. Yeah, they do on Craigslist, mm-hmm. like looking
1: for people or whatever. It is. Right.
0: However, us humans just can't have nice things. There are always those people who will screw it all up for the rest of us. No. <laughs> just like with dating websites today, back in the days of lonely heart ads, not everyone had good intentions. And inevitably, there were men and women who were swindled out of their life savings by potential suitors. 100%. Unfortunately, it seems the dating world has just kind of always sucked, which is good to know.
1: What was that? What was that? The recent one was a Tinder swindler or whatever it was?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Yeah. I mean, there's whole series, TV shows dedicated to, you know, the horrors of online dating. I mean, look
1: at catfish. That was a I mean, show that was running forever on MTV about basically,
0: yeah, the absolutely. Same thing. Well, you and I were on before we met each other. We were on dating websites, Awful. and we have horror stories. Awful, <laughs> about them. it's horrible. But guys, today's episode focuses on one such deceptive man, a handsome bachelor. Well, some thought he was handsome. Okay. Who would make women swoon over him, and then he would swindle them out of their money before killing them. But surprisingly, he wasn't working alone. He had a sidekick who helped him and even committed a good number of the brutal murders. His very own lover who posed as his sister.
1: That's fucking weird.
0: Today, friends, we will be talking about Raymond Fernandez and Martha Beck, a.k.a. the Lonely Heart Killers. A pair of ice-cold killers who not only found each other through the Lonely Hearts ads, But continued using the ads to seek out their future victims. Before all was said and done, the pair was thought to have killed more than 20 people. So without further ado, let's get into the story of this deadly duo. Raymond Martinez Fernandez was born on December 17, 1914, in Honolulu, Hawaii, to parents Francis and Joseph Fernandez Perez.
1: Okay.
0: When Ray was three years old, his father moved the family to Bridgeport, Connecticut for employment opportunities. He had bought a farm for the family to work on.
1: It's a drastic change, Honolulu to Bridgeport, <laughs> Very Connecticut. Very <much>
0: so. <laughs> When Ray completed grammar school at 15 years old, his father, Joseph, forced him to stay home and work on the family farm as opposed to continuing his education in high school with the rest of his classmates. So no more school for him. No high school for him. Okay. It was that same year that Ray had his very first run-in with the law. Now, Ray's dad was, he was just an ass. He was an asshole. He ridiculed and laughed at his son for simply asking if the family could take a break from working in order to celebrate the Thanksgiving holiday like the rest of his friends. Just like a normal person, right? Well, his dad said no. And that, of course, angered Ray. So he got the wise idea to go and make his own special Thanksgiving meal. Oh, gosh. Ray went out with a few of his friends and stole some chickens from a nearby farm. All the boys were almost instantly caught, arrested, and jailed. Well, Ray's friends were released from jail to their parents. However, Ray's father refused to accept custody of his own son. <laughs> Ray sat in jail until his trial, where he would plead guilty to stealing $28 worth of chickens, which is roughly about $450 adjusted for today's inflation.
1: You sure about that? <laughs> I mean,
0: like... The- 2020's I twenties
1: chicken is four hundred fifty dollars. for oh, that's true.
0: <laughs> that's one damn chicken. I
1: feel like it's going up that much that's, in the last two years. It's
0: one egg, <laughs> yeah. half cracked. Well, as as punishment, Ray was sentenced to sixty more days in jail and charged a fifty dollar fine, as well as he had to pay court costs. So it was pretty steep for a kid, right? Yeah. Now, for whatever reason, Francis, Ray's mother, had gone to live in Spain. So when Raymond was 17 years old, he packed up his belongings and joined her there, undoubtedly relieved to be away from his domineering dad. Dude, I'm out. Two years after arriving in Spain, Ray met a woman by the name of, bear with me, Encarnacion Robles, and the pair fell in love. They were married on January 5th, 1934, in Orgiva, Spain, despite protests from Ray's father. He didn't approve of the marriage because the Robles family were not wealthy, and they offered no dowry for their daughter's hand in marriage. This was medieval times? I know, that's how I felt. (laughs) Exactly. Well, soon after uh, the marriage, the couple welcomed their first child, and things were looking pretty good for Ray and his growing little family. They even went on to have three more kids shortly after that. However, it wasn't long before the Spanish Civil War broke out, and all of Ray's plans were derailed.
1: Uh, Yeah, I would say so.
0: With war spreading across the country, Ray unfortunately contracted typhoid fever and spent nearly five weeks in medical care drifting in and out of a coma. As soon as Ray recovered, which he was very lucky to have recovered, by the way, He was drafted and assigned to be a guard in a Spanish prison that was infamous for its brutal execution and treatment of Republican loyalist prisoners of war. And this was no easy task for Ray, as one may imagine. Part of his duties included tying a bunch of prisoners to each other and then loading them into trucks that transported them to a huge ditch Out in a remote field where they would be shot by a firing squad. Nice. Unfortunately, it was not uncommon for Ray to send people that he knew, friends of his, to their death. And this was tough on him.
1: No, I'm sure that's not easy.
0: On one occasion, Ray made the mistake of showing emotion while sending a friend who was a P.O.W. to their death. And he was then Ray was then ordered to get into the ditch along with the other condemned prisoners. He shook with fear as the firing squad was ordered to ready their weapons. But just before the final command to fire, another officer stopped and pulled Ray out of the ditch. This was all to teach him a lesson, I guess.
1: Yeah. They probably also would have gotten in trouble for shooting their own dude.
0: Yeah. Then Ray was ordered to stand and watch the execution of his friends, which he didn't usually do. Uh, And he had to stay completely emotionless. I mean, so that did some damage, I I would say.
1: It teaches you how to turn off emotion. Absolutely. It it teaches him to separate emotion from death and killing.
0: And if that wasn't enough, after serving at the prison, Ray was reassigned and he would spend eight months fighting on the front lines, no doubt experiencing more horrors of war. Oh, yeah. The war finally ended in 1939. However... As soon as Germany invaded Poland, i.e. the beginning of World War II, Ray immediately signed up to serve alongside Allied forces, working with the Division of British Intelligence until December of 1945. Yeah. He was quite the, I don't want to say well-rounded, but I would say um, accomplished.
1: Soldier? Yeah. Yeah. Quite the military man?
0: So having served during two wars in less than a decade, Ray went home to his wife and four kids, and immediately he was like, you know what? Family life just isn't for me. (laughs) I can't do this. He loved his wife, but, and this is my opinion, I think after seeing the things that he had seen, the mundane day-to-day was just not his thing, you know? I'm not excusing it.
1: No, but he's so far detached from normal life. Yeah. A decade at war, basically.
0: Yeah, he's an asshole. So I'm not making excuses no. for him, but you know, I think at this point,
1: I can just from my experience, you know, going for a year or little over a year mm-hmm. at a time over there, it's it's a long adjustment period. Then, so I couldn't imagine being in Iraq for ten years and then coming back and having to go back to normal life. I'd yeah, like, just what raise the your fuck kids. Is normal life exactly like, normal life for me for the last ten years has been war.
0: What even is this?
1: Like literally, I gotta I bring my, my kid life. to the dentist. <laughs> They're shooting at me at the dentist. Yeah, I exactly. Need to bring a gun? Like
0: so. Ray decided that he was going to board a boat headed to New York alone. He told his wife that he was going to America to make some money. And as soon as he could secure a nice little nest egg for the family, he would send for his wife and kids to join him over there. Okay. However, the journey would not go so smoothly. According to the book that I used heavily for this episode, uh, it's called Tortured with Love by J.T. Hunter. On the journey to America, a massive wave slammed into the ship, sending a deep sheet of water across the deck and knocking a heavy metal hatch off of its hinges, which with such force that it smashed down onto Ray, striking him on the top of his head. This event produced a huge indentation in the skull high on Ray's forehead, and left a permanent scar all along Ray's scalp.
1: And here is
0: the head trauma that we see so often in these prolific killers. In fact, friends and family would later say, years later, that Ray's personality changed after this incident, and he became, a, quote, aggressive and developed a stronger sexual appetite and often had difficulty distinguishing right from wrong. No. We've seen it. Yeah. Never this, seen was, that this was, in fact, frontal lobe damage, which is responsible for
1: all those things. All those things aggression, <laughs> mm-hmm. decision making,
0: impulse control. Mm-hmm. So, Ray was, of course, admitted to the hospital once the ship docked on land. And after he was, quote, well enough, he took a job on an oil tanker that was bound for Liverpool, England. Before heading to its final port of call in Mobile, Alabama.
1: It's a so well, weird. Yeah. We go from <laughs> Back New York board. to Liverpool to Mobile, Alabama.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. All right. Well, Ray, once in Alabama and now with a major lack of impulse control, decided that he was going to leave the ship and walk through customs. What, this doesn't seem that bad to me, but apparently it was. <laughs> he walked through customs with a bunch of sheets and towels that were not meant to leave the ship. And apparently that's a big no-no because it's government property. Like, you can't put it in your bag and leave with it. Sure. Ray was, of course, caught and arrested and charged with stealing government supplies. He entered a guilty plea, and the judge sentenced him to spend One year in a federal prison in Tallahassee, Florida, all for stealing towels and sheets. It's crazy. It was in that prison that Ray quickly made BFFs with his cellmate, who happened to be a Haitian man, very prolific in voodoo. Mm. And Ray just became obsessed with voodoo, especially the black magic aspect and casting spells. He was all about it. Ray was convinced that he could control the minds of people through hypnotism, even if the other person didn't know they were being hypnotized. Like, that's not how it works, but whatever. So eager to put his skills to the test, Ray wrote a letter to the judge who was overseeing his case and requested a reduced sentence, all while he was sitting back and kind of working his voodoo magic, mind control.
1: Santeria.
0: To Ray's chagrin, this worked. His sentence was reduced by half. And by December 3rd, 1946, Ray was a free man after serving just six months in prison. Upon his release, Ray boarded a bus bound for Astoria, New York, where his sister, Lena Cano, happened to live. And he decided to stay with her until he kind of figured out what to do next, you know?
1: He's just bouncing all over the place.
0: He is. He's well-traveled. So, Ray's in New York and he's feeling like the world is his because he's a voodoo priest now. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah forgot about that. <laughs> okay, well, one evening, Ray came across a woman's housekeeping magazine on his sister on his sister's coffee table and he just started flipping through it. And he came across one advertisement that said, "Quote. Lonesome? Well, join Reliable Club, established 1909, members everywhere." Beautiful girls, nurses, teachers, widows, businessmen, farmers seeking congenial mates. Many claim wealth, dignified, dependable, and sure. We get results. Write for information and descriptions. End quote.
1: Right. Like, send a damn letter in.
0: Oh, yeah. You couldn't, like, email back it's then. Not, like,
1: fill out the contact form and submit online. Yeah,
0: exactly. And Ray was like, hell yes. I can use my voodoo mind control to make one of these rich ladies fall in love with me. Okay. Cha-ching. Right? I don't have to work. This is awesome. So, he immediately wrote in and requested an application and submitted it along with a $2 fee. And in return... Ray received a list of 400 women's names. Get this. Along with their names, this is how they did it back then. They had their names, their age, height and weight. That was all included. Okay. Along with that, it it was they had to describe what they looked like if they were attractive or not, but they also had to list their financial status. And most of them listed how much money was in their baking and savings account. Oh. It was crazy. Like it would describe them physically and then it would like list actual numbers. Wow. <laughs> well, Ray started writing many women. It mattered less what they look like and more how much was in, was the in bank. their
1: bank. Yeah, because he's not trying to fall in love. He's no, exactly. He's trying to exactly. use his Santeria voodoo mind control.
0: And he would always request, of course, a picture of them and a lock of their hair. And once he had those two things, he would make a little voodoo doll. And according to him, he would hypnotize these women into falling in love with him. Okay, whatever. And it it seemed to work for him for a while. He met a few women in person, and (laughs) he even moved in with one of them. We're going to see a lot of that. And this is all while still sending money back to Spain for his wife and kids. Like,
1: oh, so he is actually
0: sending him stuff. Yeah, he he did whenever he could, which is surprising. But fate once again intervened in Ray's life. One woman that he contacted was named Martha Seabrook Beck, and with this woman, he had met his match. From the moment Martha received Ray's letter, she was enamored. Martha had received a few letters from potential male suitors since she had submitted her lonely hearts application at the behest of her friend and co-worker Elizabeth Swanson, and she had yet really to give any of the men a second thought so far. But Martha figured she may as well give this dating thing a go after having gone through somewhat of a dry spell. See, Martha had not had an easy life by any means. She was recently divorced from a man named Alfred Beck, a bus driver who had married her when she was six months pregnant with another man's child. And we'll get more into that a little bit later on. All right. But at just 27 years old, Martha was a single mother of two kids. And in post-World War II America, there were well over a million more women than men in this country. Did you know that? It's crazy. I didn't know that at Yeah. All. And that left many lonely women looking for love, and Martha was one of them. Now Martha had a good job, and she was a good catch on paper. She was a supervising nurse at the crippled children's home—that's what it was called.
1: Yeah, remember they didn't call it.
0: No, they didn't dance around. Yeah, they just back gave it
1: like home with the criminally insane.
0: Exactly, crippled children's home in Pensacola, <laughs> in Pensacola, Florida. However, her physical appearance was said to have hindered her from finding love. Since she was a child, Martha had really struggled with her weight due to a glandular issue. Due to this glandular issue, Martha was said to have undergone puberty at a very young age. And when puberty hit Martha, her older brother unfortunately began to take notice and soon after began to rape her. Oh. She tried to tell her mother, but her mother just didn't want to hear about it. During her troubled teen years, Martha had just had enough. So she, she ran away from her tumultuous life at home and joined the circus, believe it or not. <laughs> I don't know what her role at the circus was, but she joined yeah, it is, the circus. It the
1: Barnum and Bailey's time back then. The circus was a big thing back then.
0: When working for the circus got old, she worked as an undertaker's assistant preparing bodies for burial for a time. It was said that due to her larger size, Martha had had a lot of trouble keeping a job, and therefore she eventually lost her job at the funeral home and went on to find work here and there as a nurse when she decided to move to California. I don't know how her weight would have had anything to do with that. I think maybe she, I think it was less to do with her weight. And more just to do with she didn't want to work.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: Because she's not, I mean, we feel sorry for her as a child, right? But she's kind of a piece of shit. So I don't think her weight had anything to do with that. I think she was just kind of a lazy piece of shit.
1: (laughs) Probably just didn't want to work and blamed it on her weight or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it was there that she began to work at a military hospital. However, when Martha was fired from that position, she was forced to return home from Florida. However, or return home to Florida, to Florida sorry. To, okay. However, she was now pregnant with her first child, whose father is still unknown to this very day. Well, when she was in Florida, Martha told everyone in, in her hometown that the baby's father had died in the war. But who can say if that's true or not? Because she does embellish um, yeah, no, quite a bit
1: it probably did not. later on. But that's an easy story.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it was not smiled upon to have children out of wedlock back then.
1: Yeah, right, but it's not her fault if he died in a war. Exactly. And everyone will take pity on her because her husband died in wars war. So right, it's easy so it makes
0: sense. sense. Okay, so anyways, it was April Fool's Day, oddly enough, when she received her first letter from Raymond Fernandez. And they immediately began corresponding back and forth. According to the book Tortured with Love, it wasn't long before Ray wrote and proposed that they should get married. He didn't waste any time. He disclosed that he had been drawn to her by a psychic power, and he believed that their souls were fated to be together. Blah blah blah. She was like, "Yeah, sure." She was like, "Absolutely."
1: Not this well, she like fell like for fucking that. Crazy as
0: shit. Yeah, I know. That's what I would have said. Okay. Anyways. Ray wrote that in early or wrote that in early September he would be going to Spain. He told Martha, "Hey, I'm going to be going to Spain, but I promise that uh, after I get back and return to the states, I will come and visit you in Pensacola, you and the kids." Okay. And she was like, "Yes, awesome." No, well,
1: what are you doing <laughs> in Spain?
0: Exactly. Well, Ray wasn't lying. He was in fact going to Spain. Not only was he going to see his wife and kids who still lived there, but he was going with one of his wealthy elderly sugar mamas, a woman named Jane Thompson. And of course, Jane was funding the entire trip. Of
1: course. Of course.
0: So Jane and Ray made it to Spain and checked into a hotel. And while Ray was out and about, his wife in Carnacion came to his hotel room looking for her husband, only to find Jane, his mistress. Now, things from that point on are a little fuzzy, but what we do know is that because of Ray's charm, he was able to smooth things over with his wife. She bought whatever lie he sold her. However, the following morning, Jane Thompson's body was found in their hotel room by a maid. The cause of death was, was said to have been cardiac collapse during acute gastroenteritis, or in layman's terms, her heart had appeared to have stopped during a bout of diarrhea and vomiting.
1: Yeah. Shit yourself to death.
0: Well, Spanish authorities found this kind of suspicious because Ray had been spotted at a local pharmacy two days before Jane's death buying a bottle of digitalis which is a medication that was used to treat heart conditions back then and even in low doses digitalis causes horrible side, of, side effects however in high doses it's fatal it's very toxic
1: mm, lovely
0: which i don't know why they sold it but whatever
1: dude seriously they used to prescribe <laughs> opium and shit for patients back do
0: there. some cocaine about it it was the early 1900s or Early 1900s and then even up until like the 50s when mm-hmm. my mom used to tell me stories about some of the crap that they would take. And it's like, geez,
1: that's insane. It's cocaine and Coke. And- well, they wouldn't
0: take cocaine, but yeah. Immediately after learning, the authorities after learning that, you know, he was buying Digitalis, they issued a warrant for Ray's arrest. But um, by then he was long gone back to the States. So that's a whole process. And the first thing this shyster did when he reached New York was inform Pearl, Jane Thompson's daughter, that her mother had unfortunately died. And then he handed her a copy of Jane's will, which of course bequeathed her apartment and all of her belongings over to him. Mm, But don't worry, he assured Pearl, you can keep living in the apartment along with me since that's what your mother would have wanted because he's such a gentleman, right? Oh, yeah. So, Ray settled into his New York digs, along with Pearl, before promptly writing to Martha and informing her that he would soon be coming to visit her in Florida.
1: Okie (laughs) dokie. Too hard to follow.
0: Very. So, two weeks before Christmas, Ray arrived in Pensacola by train to stay with Martha and her two kids, and he wooed them all, of course. And the couple soon made plans to marry. He moves very quick, you're going to see.
1: He's got to if he wants that money.
0: But oddly, on the day that they were supposed to wed, like, he was serious. He he was going to marry her during that trip. On the day they were supposed to get married, Ray told Martha that he needed to return to New York and take care of some business. Okay. <laughs> and Martha begged him to stay. But he left, promising to either return to her in the next few days or send her money to make a trip to see him. One or the other. Okay. Well, the day that Ray was supposed to return to Martha in Pensacola, she received a letter from him that stated he was afraid that he had made a mistake and that it would be best for her to remain in Pensacola with her job and her kids and just kind of like F off, you know? Okay. Oh, all right. He didn't say that, but I mean, that's how I felt. He felt, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Here, just go away. Basically,
0: Martha was beyond devastated. So much so that three days later, on the evening of December 26th, she put her two kids to bed, sealed all the windows shut in her apartment, and turned on all of the gas jets. As the gas filled her home, she wrote Ray a letter telling him that if she couldn't be with him, then she would rather just not live at all. So she was planning on not only killing herself, but her kids as well. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's pretty fucked up.
0: Well, luckily, a neighbor had smelled the gas fumes and charged into Martha's apartment, shutting off all the jets and opening up the windows. And like a good neighbor, the woman sat and consoled Martha and listened to her heart-wrenching story about her lover who left her high and dry and all that stuff. Yeah. And for some unknown reason, this neighbor decided to take the letter that Martha had written to Ray during her attempt and... She mailed it to Ray like for Martha. I don't know if Martha asked her to probably knowing Martha. So Ray got this letter. When Ray received the would be suicide note, he was furious, furious. He phoned Martha and told her that she was crazy but in an attempt to really avoid a police investigation, he didn't want to be on the police's radar, right? He was conning people, and he wanted to keep conning people. Yeah, and he also wanted for murder in Spain. Exactly. He placated her by inviting her to come and visit him in New York. And Martha was like, oh, my God, yes, perfect. I'm so happy. And she did. She took two weeks off from work at the crippled children's home and went, to, it's not funny, it's but not it's funny. so it's just, funny. It's
1: funny. That that I can't actually, believe they called it that. That's what I'm saying. That's what I so We're not <laughs> laughing at that. We're laughing at the fact that that's actually what they named the place. Like, It's so crazy to me. It's ridiculous.
0: And uh, took two weeks off of work, went to New York to visit Ray, and she stayed with him in his, or Jane's, <laughs> New York apartment for over a week. And do you remember Pearl? I was about to say, with Pearl? <laughs> uh, Jane's daughter. Yeah. Well, by then, Ray had given her the boot. <laughs> ah. Yeah. He told her she needed to figure out another living arrangement. So, bye, Pearl. I can't be a con man with you around. No. Right? It's not hard. <laughs> I so, can't have this
1: lady coming up from Florida with her kids.
0: Exactly. Ray spent the next week whining and dining Martha, just really trying to placate her. He was taking her sightseeing around New York. She, and um, taking her to the movies, all that stuff. And when it came time to go, Martha didn't want to go. And she was begging Ray to let her stay. But he was like, no, you need to go. <laughs> and he assured her that they would be together again before long. In all actuality, I feel like he had zero intention of following through on that promise. Oh, I don't think That's he did just at me.
1: All. I think he was thinking that he placates her so he's not going to kill herself. And he's just not going to respond to her again.
0: I think that he thought she was a lot better off than she was financially and...
1: Found out she wasn't.
0: Yeah, so he just had no use for her, you know?
1: Maybe she lied on that portion of the Lonely Hearts thing. Who knows? Who knows?
0: So Martha returned back to Pensacola and she was shocked to find out that she had once again been terminated from her job at the children's home.
1: Two weeks off in 1950? Yeah, that (laughs) it didn't work out well.
0: So with no job... Martha did something that even shocked me as a female. Drove up there? She cashed her last paycheck, packed up her kids, boarded a train for New York, called Ray from the train station, and was like, Surprise! Me and the kids are here (laughs) to be with you, like, until forever. Yeah. And Ray was like, What the fuck? (laughs) So, he went and picked up Martha and her kids, I think he just didn't trust her not to cause a scene, you know? And by day two of Martha and her two children staying with Ray, Ray told Martha, look, you can stay, but these kids, man, they got to go. Like they're annoying. And once again, Martha shocked me. She took Patrick, her two small children, to a Salvation Army shelter told them stay here kids i'm going down the street and i'm going to get y'all some candy i'll be right back and she left and she never came back she never saw him again
1: holy shit these are
0: her two children like
1: it's like the dad went out for milk story oh
0: my god can you believe that like she's she's something else man she's in my mind she's way worse than him in my mind but I-
1: yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know the rest of the story, but she's she's not as bad as him at this point, but she's pretty damn bad in a different way. She's, like, crazy.
0: You might change your tune by the end of this. But to she's me, she's
1: more crazy than he is. He's bad. She's crazy.
0: Yeah. There's definitely a few tacos short of a Happy Meal in there.
1: So. Not the sharpest knife in the drawer.
0: And I just said tacos and Happy Meal.
1: <laughs> I went with it because it sounds amazing, actually.
0: It does. <laughs> Anyways. So, after she abandoned her two children at the Salvation Army, for some reason, Ray changed his tune in regards to Martha. Once, she was like an annoyance of sorts to him, but now she had just proven how far she was willing to go for him. She's loyal. And believe me, she was willing to do anything for him. And as we soon will see. Okay. So, Ray now felt that he could be completely open and honest with Martha. And he opened up to her and told her all about his wife and kids in Spain. And he even told her about his line of work, so to speak. You know, scamming women.
1: Con manning. Yeah. yeah.
0: And Martha didn't even bat an eye. She's like, okay. <laughs> That's,
1: That's fine. Great. We don't have to work and actually get money.
0: And she was more than willing to help and support well, him. Because remember, she doesn't want to work. Yeah. Yeah. She does end up taking a few jobs here and there, but never. She doesn't put in much effort to anything. She doesn't want to work. No, so she just doesn't want she's to. She's like, okay,
1: this dude's in love with me, and we're going to go steal people's money, basically.
0: Exactly. Well, she was willing to do whatever she could to help and support this guy, especially since he constantly reassured her that no matter how many women he corresponded with or dated, she was the only one that had his heart. She was definitely a words of affirmations kind of gal
1: <laughs> he's over here He's like no matter How many of these women I bang to get us this money As long I as you, you say
0: That you love me I'm fine <laughs> well, He's literally like I'm just gonna hook up With all
1: these women you In know, front of you <laughs> And we're gonna get this money It's for us Cause I love you She's like alright Okay
0: cool cool, Love you too So on February 28th Ray and Martha Who were posing uh, Martha was posing As his stepsister
1: So that's why They now, look alike
0: okay. Yeah They look nothing alike By the way I know that's what I'm saying So yeah. that
1: could that give you That we don't look alike Cause we're step siblings
0: yeah, they get dumber later on, and they just become full-on siblings. <laughs> but whatever. He did live in Alabama. Especially since Ray was Spanish. Like, and he had an accent and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how that, they explained that away, but whatever. Anyways. So, Martha was posing as his stepsister. Um, they went to Fairfax, Virginia where Ray was set to marry a school teacher. Like, not even date. Let's just marry.
1: Well, this dude just writes him a letter. <laughs> like, Let's get married. And they're like, they,
0: okay. Yeah, they correspond back and forth for a while, and then he, like, proposes to them. I via, guess that was
1: normal back then.
0: I guess. I don't know. So he was set to marry a school teacher named Esther Hen. The pair had been corresponding back and forth, and she had fallen for Ray's exotic bad boy image, I guess. And he had, you know, portrayed that. Through his letters, hard to say what she liked in him. Well, he did. He married Esther. Okay. After the ceremony, the newlyweds and Martha went back to Esther's home where Esther packed a suitcase and settled into a bath in preparation for their journey back to New York to Ray's apartment. While Esther enjoyed her bath, Martha and Ray had sex together while his new bride was none the wiser. Now, as you can imagine, married life was not blissful for Ray and Esther. And Esther started to see some major red flags popping up here and there. No. I know. Hard to believe. He doesn't have any. For one, her jewelry started to disappear. Little did she know Martha had been swiping it and pawning it off using a fake name to cover her tracks. Then, on March 2nd, Esther noticed that $500 in cash was missing out of her pocketbook. And after searching the apartment high and low, she took a chance and decided to go through Martha's dresser and found her $500 in the top drawer. Yeah, last place she expected to find it. Or maybe the first place. place. Then when Ray started urging her um, incessantly to sign over everything in her name to him, Esther knew that she had, in fact, been played by her Spanish con man, now husband. So luckily, she hopped in a car and drove herself home to Virginia. And once home, she opened the glove box of her car to find receipts from a pawn shop from the jewelry Martha had pawned off under an assumed name. So that's where all her jewelry went. So at the cost of a few pieces of jewelry and perhaps her dignity, Esther luckily escaped Martha and Ray with her life. However, others would not be so lucky. Yeah, no shit. Well, back in New York, Ray and Martha took the loss with a grain of salt. They knew there would be others. But spooked by Esther's escape, they decided to sell Ray's New York apartment that he had appropriated from Jane Thompson, if you remember. And they pocketed $1,500 from that sale. And they used it to go on vacation to Havana, Cuba before heading to Chicago where they rented another apartment and Martha found work for a very short time as a nurse. They were living comfortably for a while, but the pair blew through the money like there was no tomorrow. So Ray did what Ray does best. He took to the lonely heart ads and he started corresponding with 40 year old Myrtle Young from Green Forest, Alabama. And Oh, by the way, Ray wised up since his last con went sideways, and he figured that he probably should stop using his real name. Mm-hmm. So he told her that his name was now Charles Martin, and he didn't bother to change Martha's name, though. Oh, yeah. She was just Martha Martin. <laughs> cool. Okay. <laughs> well, it wasn't long before before Myrtle fell for his exotic charm. And on August 12th, in his
1: letters. Like, how yeah. do people fall for his exotic charm in letters?
0: Oh, he probably writes to them in Spanish and then. You know, here and there. Oh, you. Lord. Yeah. I you, like. <laughs> like puss in boots.
1: Okay, calm down, tiger. <laughs>
0: um, so Myrtle came to Chicago for a visit. She came to him. Ray or Charles Martin picked up Myrtle, and at the bus station in Chicago, he introduced uh, Martha to Myrtle as his full on sister okay. this time. Yeah. Just two days later, Charles Martin and Myrtle were married in a civil ceremony as Martha looked on resentfully. Mm-hmm. She was not happy. Well, shortly after the nuptials, Myrtle wired her bank in Alabama and directed them to transfer her whole life savings to a joint account she had agreed to set up with her new hubby, mm. Charles Martin. righty. Don't do that, ladies
1: <laughs> or gentlemen. No, Just don't no do, one that. do that. That's not smart.
0: She then named Charles as the joint owner of the account and promptly withdrew $2,000 to buy him a brand new car. That's nice of her.
1: I, mean, I want to buy a brand new car with two G's.
0: Myrtle was not the wi- none the wiser. However, it was not pure wedded bliss for her. I know that surprises you. No. She was getting really tired of Martha always hanging around. Martha never gave them any time alone together to even consummate the marriage. Like, Martha was always there. So she sat Ray down and said, baby, honey, sweetheart. Sister is the problem. <laughs> Don't you think your sister could find someplace else to live? <laughs> and Ray was like, yeah, absolutely. And then he quickly went to Martha and was like, you know what? Go ahead and get rid of her. We're done with her. We have her money. We have, she got me a car, you handle her. And Martha's like, okay, I'll do it. (laughs) So later that evening, Martha slipped Myrtle a heavy dose of barbiturates, which quickly caused her to lose consciousness. What happened directly after that is not clear. But we do know that early the next morning, Ray and Martha would put Myrtle, still knocked out from the drugs, on a bus that was headed for Little Rock, Arkansas. From there Ray and Martha headed to the bank where they emptied Myrtle and Charles's joint account then the pair left town mm. As for Myrtle on August 18th a bus driver thought the bus was empty but then he discovered little, little Myrtle in the back completely unconscious uh, but still alive in the back of the bus After being notified as to her whereabouts, Myrtle's family had her transferred to Little Rock Hospital, where she unfortunately died two weeks later. Doctors said that her cause of death wasn't just from being drugged. uh, It was from a cerebral hemorrhage that was caused by someone beating her about the head. Oh. So Myrtle is our first known victim, murder victim of this awful couple. But because the pair love to spend money, they are far from finished with conning and killing innocent women. So as soon as Myrtle's money ran out, which wasn't long after, the couple returned to New York and Ray took to the Lonely Heart ads once again. However, Martha soon discovered that she was pregnant. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Well, she told Ray and... Ray told Martha, look, you just need to abort this baby. Like ASAP. We can't have a baby running around. So Martha was like, okay, no problem. She'll just do whatever he asks. She tried several different, very risky means of inducing a miscarriage. One of which involved a crochet needle that I will not get into. Please don't. No. And on November 7th, Martha went into labor Desperate and alone, she delivered a stillborn baby girl on the bathroom floor. She didn't hesitate to wrap the almost fully matured baby in a towel before disposing her tiny bo- of her tiny body in an in incinerator. And where was Ray during all of this? Invoking his voodoo powers of divination, of course. He had set his sights on a promising new target—a wealthy widow who lived in nearby Albany, New York. Sixty-six-year-old Janet Fay. All righty. While Ray was busy wooing Janet by mail, he and Martha rented an apartment in Long Island before driving to Albany to meet Miss Fay.
1: Ooh, Long Island.
0: Ray and Martha, or Charles and Martha Martin. Stayed with Janet in her one-bedroom apartment. Yeah, yeah, it's tight, right? And Ray worked his magic. And somehow, he convinced this woman to withdraw, I I don't know how, to withdraw $6,000, or in today's currency, over $62,000 from her account, along with jewelry, cash, and bonds from her safety deposit box. And she handed it all over to Ray for safekeeping. After all, he would have to do so if they were to be married and she were to return to Long Island to live with her new husband. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the three of them. That's true. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hopped in in the car and left for Ray and Martha's Long Island apartment under the ruse that they would now be planning a wedding. The first evening in the apartment was going rather smoothly. Well, Janet started to think things through a little bit further, and she started to have quite a bit of anxiety about all of this money being in the house. She stated that the first thing in the morning, her plan was to go to the bank and deposit all of the money for safekeeping. Yeah, you know, right. have the bank take care of it. Well, Ray and Martha, they just couldn't have that.
1: No, not have.
0: So when Janet demanded Ray hand over her checks. Ray and Martha knew what had to be done. It's rather unclear as to exactly how the next few hours played out, but in my research, more times than not, I heard this version of events, so this is kind of the one I'm going with. Ray demanded that Martha, quote, take care of Janet before going and shutting himself in the bathroom, leaving Martha to handle Janet alone. I kind of think that that's kind of his M.O., Like, he just can't do it himself, so he makes her do it, and she'll do whatever it takes to keep up. She's already done it. Yeah. So when Ray returned from the bathroom, he found Janet sprawled on the floor with blood all over her head and Martha standing over her with a hammer. Martha looked up at Ray and said simply, finish it. Like, you finish it. So Ray stood over Janet and grabbed her throat with both of his hands in an attempt to strangle her because she was still alive. She was unconscious, but she was still alive. Lovely. So Martha then stopped him. She was like, you're doing it wrong. And she handed him a white silk scarf to assist him in the process of killing her. And he wrapped it around Janet's neck. Or she wrapped it around Janet's neck. Mm. And then Ray grabbed a hammer from the hammer from off the floor and inserted the handle between the scarf and Janet's neck and twisted the hammer around and around as the scarf became tighter and tighter. So it was a grot. Is that what you I call it? I forget
1: what it's called. About. Yeah. I know what you're talking about.
0: Well, he choked her like with such force that poor Janet's dentures flew from her mouth as Damn. she was strangled to death. Yeah. When Martha and Ray were positive that Janet was dead They both calmly went to the kitchen and poured themselves a drink. All right, let's go relax. Yep, they sat and had a couple of cocktails. And now they were faced with the task of disposing of a body. Well, just for tonight, they covered Janet's bleeding body with a red chenille robe that Martha had been wearing. I mean, she couldn't keep it. It was covered in blood, right? So might as well bury it with the body. So they covered up Janet and stuffed her body into a closet until the next morning. Then the following day, they went and cashed all of Janet's checks and purchased a large trunk before returning home. Then they took Janet's body out of the closet, stuffed her into the trunk, then pushed the heavy case up against the living room wall. You're going to die when you hear this. They then draped a tablecloth over the top of the trunk and added some decor, and voila! Janet was now a stylish coffee table. (laughs) What the It's not funny, but... That's insane. Yeah, this is an insane story. This, of course, would not be a permanent solution, right? I mean, you can't keep her there. They would need to find someplace else to dispose of Janet's decaying remains. And we will circle back to that, but for now, Martha and Ray needed to come up with a story to tell Janet's family regarding her whereabouts because... Janet had lots of people that loved her who were anxiously awaiting a wedding invitation. The following day, Ray had Martha drive to Janet's apartment in Albany. Again, he was like, you do this. You take care of it. Your problem. Yeah, exactly. So Martha drove to Janet's apartment in Albany where she packed up all of Janet's stuff. And Martha then told Janet's landlord that Janet would be marrying Charles Martin and moving in with him, so she would no longer need the keys for her apartment. So Martha handed over the keys to the landlord and assured the landlord that Janet would soon be writing a letter to confirm, you know, all this. Landlord was like, great. Sounds good. Perfect reference. Then, using a typewriter, Ray and Martha typed out a letter and sent it to Janet's family. They actually wrote several letters, but I'll read, just one. Okay. It was really quick. Quote, having a wonderful time, everything fine, letter follows, love to all, Janet. So this might sound short, sweet to the point, but there was only one problem. Janet had never owned a typewriter, nor did she know how to type. Her family instantly knew that letter was not from her.
1: Because yeah.
0: yeah. They okay. were super suspicious because the letter was just so out of character. She also didn't speak like that. You know? But Ray and Martha didn't have time to worry about all that right now because they had a bigger issue to address. Their apartment was starting to smell. Oh. Yeah. They had to hurry and dispose of Janet's remains. Yeah. So get this. They rented a whole ass house, dug a six foot deep hole in the house's basement, dumped Janet's body inside, and covered it with cement. Once the cement was dry, they returned the keys to the landlord, and they said, you know what? This house just really isn't working for us. Thanks, but no thanks. Go ahead and keep our deposit. That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And then from there, the couple visited a car dealership in Long Island, where they traded in their 1946 Pontiac for a 48 model, and then they headed back to Chicago in an effort to put some distance between themselves and their last crime. <laughs> of course, Ray instantly got to work corresponding yet with another lonely and trusted gotta bring woman. More money in. Yeah, gotta make money somehow, right? <sighs> and that brings us to Ray's final target slash victim, Delaphine Downing, which I think is such a cool name, Delaphine. All these
1: names are very much like 1920s to me. Delphine Myrtle. Well, and this all is
0: these in like, the late 40s, but Delphine but is been such been born, a pretty name. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I've never heard of the name Delphine before. I don't think.
1: I think I've heard it in movies or something. Have you? Delphine.
0: Well, Delphine was a 41 year old, recently widowed woman from Wyoming Township, Michigan. She was also a single mother to a five month old little girl named Raynell. Five months old? Mm-hmm. Oh. In her letters to, uh, in her letters to Charles Martin, which was the name he was going by, didn't bother to change it again. No,
1: yeah.
0: Delphine had invited Ray and his sister Martha to her home to visit, and after meeting in person, Delphine promptly fell under his spell, and of course, before long, the pair were planning an NYC wedding as Ray schemed how to convert all of Delphine's assets into cash. Nice. Martha and Ray stayed with Delphine and her daughter for over two weeks. And by February 26, Delphine had noticed that she had missed her period. Concerned that a surprise pregnancy may scare Raymond away, mm-hmm. Delphine sought the help of None other than Martha. I mean, why not? That was her future sister-in-law, right? Right. Well, Martha sought this opportunity to be rid of her new rival for Ray's attention. So she assumed the role of a sympathetic confidant and handed Delphine a handful of pills and a glass of water, assuring her that the pills would safely and painlessly abort the pregnancy.
1: She just had them on hands.
0: She just had them on my okay. Soon after swallowing the pills... Delaphine fell extremely ill and passed out. And this caused Delphine's baby, Raynell, to begin to cry uncontrollably for her unconscious mother. She wanted her mom. And all of the baby's crying and wailing began to wear on Martha's nerves, so she grabbed the baby by the throat and began to strangle her until her little face turned blue. Wow. Luckily all of the commotion caused Ray to enter the room and see the horrors that were unfolding. And he stopped Martha immediately and from choking the baby and the baby didn't die. Good. Like the color returned to little Raynail's face. Luckily the baby was alive. However, there were purple marks or bruising on the little one's neck and When Delphine woke up, she was sure to see the evidence that her child had in fact been abused, so they had to do something while she was still out, right? So Ray took a pink blanket from nearby, wrapped it around his pistol forming a makeshift silencer and shot Delphine, the mom, in the head twice, killing her instantly, just so she didn't see the bruises around the baby's neck. Sure, okay. Martha and Ray then wrapped Delphine's body in bedsheets and carried her down to the cellar. Like with Janet Fay, they dug a hole in the floor of the cellar and dumped the mother's remains in there, covering her with dirt and then finally topping that off with cement. <laughs> Over the next 2 days, Ray and Martha lived in Delphine's home with baby Wrennell, with Delaphine buried in the freaking crazy.
1: cellar. Yeah. yeah, it was
0: crazy. However, the baby Raynell just refused to eat or sleep. All the baby did was scream and cry because she, of course, wanted her mom. Martha had just had enough, so she un- calmly er, she calmly undressed the little girl, grabbed the little one. Remember, five months old is very little. Yeah. Grabbed her by the legs, held her upside down, and then lowered her headfirst into a tub filled with water, drowning the baby in one final, ruthless act of murder. Wow. Yeah. Ray then buried the five-month-old in a grave next to her mother in the cellar. So dug another hole and filled that with dirt and cement.
1: Good lord. I
0: know. Absolutely insane. Well, just as Ray had finished pouring the concrete, burying the child, there was a knock at the door. And it was a neighbor checking in on Delphine and Raynell to make sure everything was okay. They hadn't seen him in a few days. Well, Ray spun a not-so-convincing tale about how Delphine had taken Raynell to her mother-in-law's house. And the neighbor just didn't believe him. But he didn't show that he didn't believe him. He just thanked him and left. But not so surprisingly, within a couple of hours, there was another knock on the door. And this time, it was the Sheriff's Department.
1: Yeah, no shit.
0: One of the officers asked Ray his name, to which Ray responded, Charles Martin. And the officer replied, that's funny. Are you sure you're not Raymond Fernandez? Crazy. Well, that shocked Ray, to say the least. So much so that he admitted that he that that was indeed his name. He was like, well, I guess I must be. (laughs) It's crazy. The officers were there looking into the disappearance of Delphine Downing. And they asked Ray and Martha if they could come in and take a look around. Well, by this point, Ray's super cocky. He was like, yeah, sure. Come on in. However, it didn't take the officers long to see that something really fishy had occurred in the cellar. Once they broke in, or once they broke through the freshly poured concrete that was clearly a very different color than the rest of the The concrete. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They were able to instantly find Delphine and Raynell, and thankfully, the murderous duo's reign of terror had come to an end. Good. So detectives promptly arrested Ray and Martha and hauled them down to Kent County Jail in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where they were eventually fingerprinted and taken before a judge. Following their brief court, initial court appearances, the lovebirds were separated into different floors of the jail and questioned by investigators. And they confessed to everything because, well, Michigan doesn't have the death penalty. Oh. However, New York did at the time. And they had, in fact, killed Janet Faye in New York, if you remember. Right. Right. But the reason they confessed to Janet's murder is because the DA promised them that if they confessed to Janet's murder while in Michigan, then they wouldn't be extradited to New York to stand trial. Therefore, they wouldn't receive the death penalty. Oh. Well, the DA lied to them. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Which I don't care. I'm fine with. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) The couple were, in fact, extradited (laughs) to New York, and Ray was pissed. He the was, like, I
1: walked out of that meeting was like, this is
0: super illegal. You can't do this. And it's like, oh, now you care about legalities.
1: The DA was probably like, yep, fuck you, dumbass. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Who cares how Ray feels? Side note here. There were actually 17 unsolved murders of women this, at this time in New York, all of which were thought to be tied to Ray and Martha. And it's really like, I really have to say I'm like 89 nine 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 percent sure that they are responsible for them but they just they said no we didn't do that not at all but I mean we're we're pretty sure at this point I think
1: some of them probably definitely
0: maybe not all of them yeah,
1: but some of them I would just probably say you're correct in saying almost 100 percent
0: yeah anyways so Raven tried to sidetrack <laughs> a little bit sidestep he tried to kind of Backtrack and say that he only confessed to Janet's murder to protect Martha. Mm. Since, you know, she was actually the only guilty party here. (laughs) Of course, yeah, he threw under the bus. But it didn't matter. They both stood trial in New York, and the trial was a huge deal media-wise. The papers just like for some reason, ridiculed Martha's appearance all the time. Like that's what matters after you killed all these people. Like you're a piece of shit. Why does it matter what I look like? You know what I mean? (laughs) But that's what they focused on. And also it was really crazy because the details of Ray and Martha's peculiar sex life were made public during the trial, which I'm not exactly sure why. But they were. And yeah. the papers just ate that up.
1: I'm sure because back then. Yeah. It was like considered like typical behavior for like violent or murderous people. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it just landed themselves towards more violent people, maybe?
0: Yeah, they just had to make them look as bad as they could. Probably the uh, prosecution on the prosecution's back. I mean, this is like the that.
1: 50s, isn't it? So it's like they had like vanilla ass sex was normal back then. So, like, <laughs> else the was like nope. <laughs> They're bad people.
0: Well, both Ray and Martha tried to argue that they were both not guilty by reason of
1: insanity, insanity
0: as we see all the time. But after a 44-day trial, both Raymond and Martha were sentenced to death by the electric chair. Good. For the murder of only Janet Fay. So, yes, the couple were only ever charged with one murder, despite their confessions to two others, despite being found in a house with another. Well, but
1: back then it wouldn't. They, they wouldn't have cared about that as much because they could have solved all the cases with all the paperwork and the, all the extra trials. And
0: exactly. they were already getting
1: the death penalty. We we're going to get four death penalties.
0: Exactly. So now, while the pair await execution at Sing Sing prison in New York, oh Sing Sing, Raymond reportedly tried to tell his psychologist that he really did love Martha. He just wasn't in love with her like, oh shit, that sucks. Oh, she's
1: just like my ride or die homie. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, that doctor went to Martha and shared this news. <laughs> she's sitting in prison after doing all this shit for the man that she loved. And then...
1: He's like, she, eh, I wasn't really in yeah, love with her. I yeah, just I just wasn't
0: her. that into her. <laughs> and that, of course, broke her heart. But right before the doctor left, he turned around and was like, I also need you to know that Ray is suffering from syphilis. <laughs> What? I know. <laughs> yeah, so Ray had syphilis and gave oh it to Martha. Oh, my Lord. Double ouch. But don't worry. The couple rekindled their romance. Yes. What Your romance. face. <laughs> I mean, she... Oh, no. She they, was just
1: told he was never really in love with her and had syphilis. And she's like, oh, okay, that's cool.
0: Get he He's nuts, too. He's crazy. On March 8th, 1951, the day of Ray and Martha's execution... Martha received a letter from Ray that said, I would like to yell to the world the love I feel for you. And then some other shit, but we really don't care. Well, Ray was executed first. And then finally, Martha. And Martha's last words before literal death, (laughs) like we're not playing around. This is like, you're about to die. Her last words were, My story is a love story, but only those tortured by love can know what I mean. Imprisonment and death has only strengthened my feelings for Raymond. Oh. (laughs) And lucky for them, they're probably able to rot together in hell now. So. Yeah, no shit. Yay. (laughs) And that's the story of Raymond Fernandez and Martha Beck. I thought that was a better Valentine's Day story. Than like the typical ones that we usually cover. (laughs) Like Bonnie and Clyde or.
1: Yeah, where we talked about doing the the time of the sunset. The kid and
0: Barbie murders or something like that. Yeah, I thought that this would be a little different. Yeah, not a lot of people have heard about it. They both died with syphilis and in love. So
1: I don't think he was in love, but.
0: I, I don't know at
1: this point. He's just a wordsmith on letters. That's what he does.
0: Yeah, why even writer before death? It's crazy.
1: So he's so I don't know whatever the personal reasons were. Guilty conscience, maybe. I don't know.
0: Also, fun fact, he wore a toupee. Oh. Because his head his whole ass head was caved in. Oh, that's right. And like I guess he balded prematurely around the spot where it like caved in. But right. he wore like a toupee over it. Oh. So in some of the pictures you see he has hair. And then in some, not so much.
1: That's weird. Okay. That yeah, is
0: weird. So, what a what a pair, right?
1: That's definitely a fucked up Valentine's Day couple.
0: Yeah. That was my goal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once again, you succeeded. <gasps> okay. Oh, my Lord.
0: But I'm super excited for next week, episode 50. We're going to celebrate by doing something a little different. So, I'm not going to tell you what. You've been
1: excited about that since you finished this one.
0: I've been in a deep dive. Sorry, my nose is stuffy.
1: You've been going like, I just
0: want to go read about it. I know. I'm just like enthralled right now. You nerd. I am a nerd. So I'm just
1: gonna go play video games afterwards. So you always end with that. No,
0: you're not a a nerd nerd at all. (laughs) Jeez. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We love you guys. Happy belated Valentine's Day. Be good to each other, and we will see you soon. Bye.